Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. The angels carried him into Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. Now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered then, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Let's pray together. Father, today, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our pathway. Your word is a light that shines in the midst of darkness. Your word is a life preserver thrown out in the midst of a stormy seed. Father, I ask you today that your word will be quick and active and powerful in our hearts and in our lives. Father, today we set aside the opinions and the thoughts of man. Today, Father, we want to hear from your word. I pray, God, that you will speak to us today from the pages of your word. And Father, let our lives be impacted as a result, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Each of us this morning can be thankful for life, and we can be thankful today for the chance to be in church today to hear the message of the gospel and to have the opportunity given to us to make a choice for eternity. Because while I today am sharing the message of the word and while you are here in attendance at church today, there are men and women who have already stepped ahead of us into eternity and they no longer have the opportunity that you and I have been given today to hear the message and to respond accordingly. This morning, our focus is to take some time and answer some questions about hell, 
to understand what the scriptures say concerning this eternal destination because the truth is there's a lot of confusion concerning this eternal destination. As many people as there are on the face of the earth, there are that many opinions and thoughts and understandings of eternity. My goal today is not to spend a lot of time really telling you what I think and what my opinions are. This morning, if you have your Bibles or your electronic device, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today because really today, that's really all that matters because the Bible says in the end, it's the Word that we're going to be judged by. And so today, we really need to hear what the Word is because the truth is, in my uh, emotional stuff, in my way of thinking, I have opinions about what is fair and what's unfair in this life. But when it comes to this topic, it really doesn't matter what my opinions are or my thoughts. We must know what the Word of God has to say. So the first question I think we have to consider is the question, what is hell? What is hell? Now the truth is one can't answer this question in the way that we answer many questions. It's, it's not something that you can go and point out in life and show a visible representation of hell. If you were today to ask me, you know, what is a $20 bill? I could take a $20 bill out. I could show you. You could touch it. You could feel it. You could see it. If you were to ask me today what the color green is, I would show you examples to help you understand. If you were to ask me the simple question today, what is a tree? You and I could walk together outside of this building. I could take you to a tree and I could show you what a tree is. You could feel it, touch it, sense it. The question today that you and I must answer though is what will we use to reference what hell is? When somebody asks us, what reason and what example will we give? Because I'm assuming today that none of us have been there and come back. So the only source, and I want to underscore this word, that is reliable. The only source can be counted on. The only source that is just. The, the only source that is truth when we try to describe hell, must come from God himself. God has revealed to us in the Bible this place called hell. It's the only source you can go to. It's the only book you can go to. At the end of all things, what seems right to me, what seems right to you, what seems fair to us? I can't tell you the times that I have stood by a casket and someone would say to me, do you think my loved one is in heaven or in hell? Frankly, my friend, it doesn't matter what I think. I can't determine that. We've got to look at the source. We know of heaven and the truth is, in the natural, I'd a whole lot rather preach to you today on heaven because it's exciting. 
But the same one who authored the truth of heaven is the same one who authored the truth concerning hell. That's the source we have to go back to. Our opinions regarding hell outside of the Word of God, frankly, are irrelevant. irrelevant. So in trying to define what hell is, we find that it is described in the Word of God in a couple of ways. First thing I would submit to you today is hell is a place. It's not a state of mind. It's not a thought pattern. Hell is a place. The Bible describes hell as a place in our text we found in Luke 16 and 23. It says, in, in, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Hell is a place. Hell is a place of eternal conscious torment. It is eternal because of the conscious state of understanding the length of time. It is torment because, again, the conscious state of torment. It is because one is conscious that we understand that it's a place of torment. It's not a a sleeping place. It's not a lingering place. It's a place of consciousness. Hell is a place. The Bible tells us for the unbelieving, Revelation 21 and 8, but the unbelieving will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. For those who have said, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus, for those who said, I don't believe that I need him, for those who have chosen not to believe in the Son of God who came to take away the sin of the world, the Bible says hell is a place for the unbelieving. Fourthly, God's uh, hell is a place of God's wrath. God's wrath, frankly, is not something we want to talk much about. Probably the most uh, influential conversations that we have today in our world is the fact that God is love, and I am thankful for his love, aren't you? But the Bible says Jesus was full of grace and truth. The Bible describes it as a place of God's wrath. It's a place where God's wrath is being poured out. John the Baptist referred to it this way in Matthew 3 and 7 as the wrath which is to come. Paul said in Romans 2 and 8, for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8, when he returns, the Bible says he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wrath is God's righteous response to sin. Psalm 7 and verse 11 says God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. I heard someone sometime back say this phrase, if you think you are outraged by what's happening in this world, and I would venture to guess many of us in this room are outraged at many of the things we're seeing go on. The truth is we are living in a day when even the discussion is on the table that if a baby makes it through an abortion, we're even discussing that we have the right to kill it. 
if there's anything that ought to stir us up, get us outraged, it ought to be that. But if we are moved, if we are outraged by the things that we're seeing going on in our world and we're angry, the truth is we are human, we are frail, we are, we are sinful at the core. Imagine how the God who created all things, who is holy and just and pure, must feel about the things going on in our world today. Often we think that God is just somehow standing back and watching all things and that God, I, I hear people say a lot, well, God, if God lets things go on, he's going to have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. We think somehow that God is ignorant or letting things go by. God doesn't let anything go by, friends. God is not just standing by. The Bible tells us, and this is a scary, fearful truth. The Bible says that man is causing God's wrath to be stored up. If you have your Bible, Titus, you won't have this on the screen. Don't worry about it, buddy, okay? If you have your Bible, look it with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5 says, But because of your stubbornness, notice these next words, and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they've done. So when we're tempted to think God has just turned, uh, turned uh, you know, away and he's turned a deaf ear to what we're doing, God is never doing that. We think, well, God somehow, well, where's God at? And when, 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 when we have legislation and the things that are, are going on in our world, where is God in all that? I tell you, he's the same place he's always been. God is in heaven on the throne. God is not ignorant of what's going on. But the scary truth is, and this ought to give us all a sobering thought, the Bible says because of our unrepentant heart, we are storing up wrath against ourselves. Revelation 19 and 15 says, He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty God. Hell's purpose is fulfilled as a place of God's wrath. There may be those... I'm sure you've heard it and I've heard it. And probably if we'd be real honest, there's been times we've said it. That's not fair. That's not fair. Why would God send someone to hell for all eternity? That's not fair. They're good people. There's some people who don't know. How could God send them to an eternity. That's, that's a question I think probably at some time we've all wrestled with or are currently wrestling with. 
But the Bible has an answer. Romans, 8, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. If that is not a description of what's going on in our world today... It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Today, you know, there was a time when we wondered how can the gospel be preached around the world. Man, today it is so easy. I spent some time with one of our missionaries just a few weeks back, and he is a missionary in Africa. And he said, you know what? Everybody thinks of Africa as people are uh, unlearned, unknowing what's going on in the world. He said, you can go out in the bush area, and they have cell phones. They have the same information available to them that you and I have sitting here today in this room. The Bible says that men are without excuse because God has been seen in creation because each of us have a voice. Now, I'll tell you that the the enemy's goal is to try to say to people, "Well, well, God can't be known because God didn't create everything. No wonder evolution has been such a tactic of the enemy because it tries to point men away from a design and a creator who is God. The Bible says it's because of what is seen in all creation that men are without excuse. If you can look at the sun and think that just happened, if you can look at the beautiful blue skies and the fluffy white clouds and the beautiful things around us and say, there is no intelligent design, my friend. It takes more faith to believe that. Truth is, God is seen in all creation because each of us have a voice of conscience. You don't have to tell a child their behavior is wrong. They know it. When mom walks into the kitchen and says, Do you, have you been eating the cookies? And even though there's crumbs all over his face, the first thing a child does is puts his hand behind his back. And mumbling through the crumbs of cookies in his mouth says, No. When Adam sinned in the garden, no one was there to tell him or teach him behavior. But the Bible says that Adam, in the beginning when he sinned, he hid himself from God. The truth is, the problem is that mankind doesn't want to know God's ways. Because to know God's ways makes us uncomfortable in our ways. Romans 1 and 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We don't want to know the truth. We don't want to believe the truth, so we suppress it. 
We try to cover up the truth in what we're doing. We come up with reasons why we don't want to listen to the truth. Hell is a place. Hell is a place of eternal consciousness. And hell is a place of God's wrath. Now, there are terms within the Bible that are used to describe this place of hell. And here's, here's why, folks, it is so important. You must know what the Bible has to say about these things because it is a very popular teaching today in America that hell is really not these things, that it's a place of consciousness of mind. It's just a, a, it's a place of a little bit of difficulty, but it's not the things the Bible describes. But the truth is, if God is creator of all things, God created hell. In the beginning, the Bible tells us God created hell for the devil and his angels. The problem is, you and I, when we came into sin, we, got the, we received the same spirit that the devil and his angels had. It is a spirit of sin and rebellion against God. So we've got to go back to the scriptures. We have to know what God has to say about it. Four terms that are mainly used throughout the passages of Scripture to describe this place. One is the word often you'll come across in your Bibles. It is the term Hades. In our passage here in Luke 16 and 23, it says, In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham afar away with Lazarus by his side. Matthew 11 and verse 23 says, And you, Capernaum, a city, you will be lifted. Will you be lifted up the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Revelation 20 and 13. The sea gave up the dead that were in them, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Nine separate times in the New Testament, the term Hades is mentioned. Hades is a temporary place of the unrighteous dead until the final judgment takes place. It is the holding place, if you will, where men and women will stay until the day of judgment. The Bible describes Hades as a place of anguish. It describes Hades as a place of torment. It describes it as a place of fire, and it describes it as a place of flames. But it is not the final place of the unrighteous dead, as we'll see later in Revelation chapter 20. There will come a time when those who have not repented of their sins and are in Hades will be raised to stand before God, and they, as the Bible says, will give an account of themselves. They will be cast into an eternal place and destination. The next term that you will find used, and it's probably the one we're most familiar with, it is the word, the, excuse me, it is the word we are most familiar with, it is the term hell. The word hell actually comes from the original language in, in, in the Bible, it's the word Gehenna. Gehenna was 
uh, outside the city of Jerusalem there. It was a refuge dump. It's where uh, when you got done with your trash, it was when you got done with everything like that, you would take it and they would throw it in this place called Gehenna. And the thing about Gehenna was it was a place that constantly smoldered. It constantly burned. And so because people were constantly dumping their trash on it, it's constantly in a state of burning. And that is the picture that Scripture uses to describe this word we know as hell. It was a place where things were discarded. Matthew 5 and 22 says, Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Matthew 5, 29 to 30, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Matthew 10 and verse 20. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. These are the words of Christ. Rather be afraid, he says, of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fourteen times in the New Testament this word hell is used. Luke chapter 12 and verse 5. Jesus' words, you'll find it in your Bible. If your Bible has red letter edition, you'll find anytime it's red letters, that's actually the words of Christ. He says in Luke 12 and 5, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Hell is a place of eternal torment, a place of eternal fire for those who are unrepentant. Hell is a term that is often used in man's speech. I've heard it. You've heard it. Men and women have used the term hell on earth. My life right now, they'll say, is hell on earth. Everything I've gone through has been hell on earth. But sadly enough, my friend, there has never been anything on this earth that will compare to what hell is for all eternity. There is no one who's ever experienced anything that can begin to compare to what hell will be. The next word that is used to describe this place, it's the second death. We all understand that death comes to us all. And friend, if you have not accepted that truth, you must absolutely confront the fact that all of us are going to die. I don't know about you, I like living. I kind of enjoy this thing we call life. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy, I love coming together, especially on Sundays, to be with all of you in the presence of the Lord. But the truth is, should the Lord Jesus Christ uh, wait on his return There's going to come a time when I will stand in this pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very last time. There will come a time when my body will expire and I will die. People are afraid of death. People are afraid of dying. So they say, man, I don't even even want to have the discussion about dying. But the truth is, death comes to every one of us. Someday, someplace, sometime. This term, second death, is talking about 
spiritual death. Revelation 20 and 14, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. I once heard someone say this phrase, If you were born once, you will die twice. If you are born twice, you will die once. If you are born once in the natural and never accept Jesus Christ, my friend, you will die. Your physical body will die. And if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, not only will you die physically once, the Bible says you'll come to a place of spiritual death. It is the second death. But for those who have been born in the natural and they have received Jesus. Jesus' words to Nicodemus was this, you must be born again. You must have a new spiritual birth. And my friend, if you are born twice, you will only die once. If you're born twice, this physical body may die, but to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. There won't be any believers at the second death. You and I must accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. It is described in Revelation 20 and 14 as the lake of fire. That passage says, Anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, you and I understand the term lake. We know lakes of water. This will be a lake that from shore to shore, top to bottom, is a place of fire. Revelation 21 and 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars... They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Revelation 20 and verse 10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, and the beast and the false prophet also had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Maurice Rawlings, some of you have heard that name before. Maurice Rawlings is a believer but as well as being a believer, he's a cardiologist who ran the emergency room at the hospital at the University of Tennessee. Over his years of experience, he saw a lot of people under his care in emergency room area die a physical death. He and his coworkers later sat down and interviewed nearly 300 people that over the years had come through the University of Tennessee Hospital emergency room who had had near-death experiences. When they interviewed them, nearly 50% of those who were interviewed reported seeing images of fire and of torment and of tormenting creatures. Hell is a real place. C.S. Lewis these words, the safest road to hell is the gradual one without sudden turnings and no signpost. 
no one wants to talk about hell. No one wants to seriously consider their eternal destination in a place like this. Our natural self can't imagine. I think all of us, we probably see ourselves as good people. Not very many people you come across that just says, you know what, I am worthless, I am terrible. Usually we can find something good in ourselves. And it's hard for us to imagine how that in my state of goodness, I could end up in a place called hell. Four terms that are used to describe what happens in hell. The first word is the word fire. 27 times in the New Testament, this scripture, this term is used in the scriptures. Luke 16 and 24. So we called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Matthew 25 and 41. That he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Luke 3 and 17. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat in the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Revelation 14 and verse 10. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb Fire is the most common term used to describe the punishments of hell. Probably if there was any word, if you were to ask people in the church or outside the church, what are the things that, uh, what are the things that describe hell? Most people would probably say the word fire. Now is it fire? The Bible describes what happens in hell with these words. It'll be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 8 and verse 12, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13 and 42, they will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25 and 30, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then again in Luke 13 and 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? Probably one of the best descriptions I've ever seen is many of you over the years have heard of Matthew Henry who wrote the great Bible commentary. In that Bible commentary, he describes that passage in this way. It describes the weeping and gnashing of teeth as the utmost degree of grief and indignation. It is the response to the understanding of what could have been secured. It is the response of utter despair and hopelessness. It is the response to the grief over opportunities missed. Grace, grace that is now gone. Days of decision disregarded. Moments and opportunities overlooked. The Bible says will cause weeping and gnashing of teeth. Third term that describes that place is the term darkness. Darkness in the human mind has always been equated with fear. Very few get afraid in the light, the daytime hours. 
Many are tormented by the darkness at nighttime. It is in the dark where people are afraid. It is in the darkness that unimaginable things happen inside the human mind and heart. Darkness. Darkness brings isolation. There have been many people that have made statements and said that they would party in hell. Many have said that I'm going to go because my spouse or friend died and I know they're in hell. I'm going to go and be in hell with them. The one thing about darkness is the darkness isolates us. If we were to take a moment and imagine in this place, if all of a sudden the electricity went off and it immediately went dark, you would not see anybody around you. You would lose sight of anybody else around you. You would feel isolated from everyone else. There's a term, outer darkness. There are seven references in the New Testament to this term. Matthew 22 and 13, and then Matthew 25 and 30, where it says, Throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's no comfort of anything nearer in hell. Hell is alone with all of the lies, all the excuses, the arrogance, and the unwillingness to turn to God. Fourth term is the term destruction. Matthew 10 and 28 he says, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This term destruction is used 18 times throughout the scriptures. Matthew 7 and 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Second Thessalonians 1 and 9, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out. This is probably, this last part of this is is such a strong part. They will be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Hell is a place of destruction. Hell is the destruction of everything that God created us to be. You and I were created in the beginning. The Bible, if you turn to the beginning of, of Genesis, it says that you and I were created in the image of God. When sin entered the picture it changed who we are. We were created in the image of God. We were created with destiny and a future. Now all those things, every promise will be destroyed in a place called hell. Hell is a place separated from the presence of God. And you think, okay, well, that's, that's not a bad thing. Let me, let me describe the best I can for you what that means. Every Every, everything that is good in this life, everything that is comforting in this life, everything that is peaceable in this life, everything that is pleasant in this life, everything that has any goodness to it at all is because of God. Everything. So imagine for me, if you will, a moment, um, uh, uh, an atmosphere that is absent from all those things. There's nothing peaceable, nothing good. Nothing calming, nothing assuring, nothing healing, nothing peaceful, peaceable, nothing um, restful, none of that. It's all gone because they're separated from the presence of God and everything that makes God who he is. All potential salvation, all opportunity for change, 
the day of redemption has gone. All those opportunities are destroyed forever. Anything that is good is gone for all time. Hell is a place of utter destruction. That's a heavy message, isn't it? I'll be honest with you. My natural self would rather, would rather share something with you today that made you feel good about yourself. Because that's just kind of who I am. But the Lord began to speak to my heart. Colton... Uh, this week when we were in the office, um, I kept wrestling with the stuff for today and uh, had conversations with him. Never take lightly eternity. Never take lightly the fact that um, church attendance will, will get you to heaven. Um, the, the phrase, I want to, the, uh, the quote that I share with you from C.S. Lewis, many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis's writings. Listen to these words again. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. Without sudden turnings and with no signpost. I want to talk to you for a few minutes in closing about eternity for you. Do not... Um, I don't want you to misunderstand this morning. I'm not sharing this message to try to uh, ruffle your feathers or to make you uncomfortable enough so that you'll make a decision to serve Christ. That's not my intention today. My intention today is in all of the misinformation in the world to share with you the truth. You and I can disagree on a lot of things about this life, but there's a couple things we can't disagree on, and one of them is we're all going to die. That's just the way it works. You even go back to the Bible and you find the man named Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead. What happened? Lazarus died again. We're all going to die. That's non negotiable. Once we die, there's eternal destination. My heart goes along with God the Father's when he says, I don't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. Jesus, Jesus died on the cross so you could be in heaven forever. But friend, there's some steps you and I have to take. can't tell you the times I've stood at a casket and people said, surely, surely, they were a great person. Surely God will let them into heaven. And I'll be honest, my natural self wants to go, they were a good person. 
But listen, being good people or bad people is not what the problem is. The problem is sin. And the problem is sin and then not turning to Jesus Christ. Here's the bottom line. Everyone who's ever born, the Bible says everyone is born sinners. The Bible says we've all missed it. We've all fallen short of God's plan. And we're all, every one of us, are born on our way to an eternity without God. We're born in a state of sin. It's not, see, often we think, well, well, God just got mad at somebody and God's going to send them to hell. No, that's not the problem. The problem is we're all destined for hell. No matter how good you are or how bad you are, no matter anything, you are born, I'm born a sinner. And there's only one thing that changes that, and that is Jesus Christ. There's only one way to not spend eternity in hell, and that is through Jesus Christ. No other way. So here's what God did. God saw us in our condition. God saw that we were all destined for hell. God saw that we were all doomed, if you will, for an eternity separated from him. And God said, that's my loving creation. I can't let it stay that way. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross to take away my sin and to take away your sin. Jesus Christ came so that you and I would not have to spend eternity in a place called hell. That's what God did. People say all the time, how could God send good people to hell. The problem is, without Jesus Christ, all good people go to hell. That's a, we have to get that fact down, and we have to resolve that issue. No matter how good we are, without Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are sinners, and we will be eternally separated from God. Bottom line. We must, the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. The Bible says he is the gate that you have to go through. It's the only way. It's the only door. Only door. So I want to ask you today, my friend, how about eternity for you? And, and, and my prayer today, my prayer today is not uh, maybe for individuals who've walked in the room. Not, my prayer is not only for individuals who have just walked in the room and you've not accepted Jesus before. My prayer is for you. But my prayer is also for people who have sat on church pews and chairs for most of their life and have never truly made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. You say, well, I was baptized as a kid. I want to ask you today, have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You say, I've worked in the church, I've given, I, I've given in the offering plate frequently, and, and I, I've helped, and I have worked, and I've labored. My question is yet, have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If you were to die today, do you know beyond the shadow of doubt, you're ready for eternity? If not, my friend, today is the day. Second thought in closing is this. I'm making an assumption here that every one of us in this room have family members or friends that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I have them. You have them. 
often, often we can talk about hell without tears in our eyes and brokenness in our heart. My heart, uh, my heart is often shattered when I hear people in the church bravely point a finger and talk about people going to hell. Though it may be true, if you can say that without a brokenness in your heart, then you don't understand hell. You may say, I'm ready for eternity and I'm ready for heaven because of Jesus Christ. Friend, if you have friends and family and loved ones, I want to tell you what. I've had some people in life, as well as you, I've had people in life that have done me wrong before. You understand what I mean? People have really done you dirty. People who have maliciously hurt you and caused pain and suffering in your life. I want to tell you, there's some people... Um, Boy, they made me mad before. I'm just, just being honest. But there's not one of them I would ever want to go to hell and be in that terrible place. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. And if there is a time, then I don't understand. I don't understand what hell is. I wouldn't want hell for the worst person. So today as we close, I want to give an opportunity for all of us to respond. And the challenge I want to give you today is the thankful that we're saved, the thankful that we've been born again. May we make it our prayer today, no matter how long we've been in the church or known the way of Jesus Christ. Lord, keep me on the right path. Don't let me ever come to a place where I think, man, I don't have anything. You know, I, everything's just wonderful, and I don't ever have to worry about anything. I believe your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. But, friend, I would remind you of that statement. The safest road to hell is a gradual one. Be careful when you find yourself gradually moving away. Be careful. Secondly, as we pray together, I want us today to pray for unsaved loved ones and friends. And you say, sometimes, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been there with my family and, and friends, and sometimes I don't know what to pray because I've told them. I've told them, and I've told them, and I've told them, and I've told them. And sometimes, for you like me, they've said, listen, I stop. Stop. I don't want to hear it anymore. Stop. And you say, what do I do? How do I pray? Friends, all I know to do is call on the name of Jesus. Because the truth is, the Bible says God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come repentance. And so all I know to do sometimes is say, God, I am in agreement with you. And God, whatever it takes, don't let them die without you. God, send people their way. I pray that often. I pray that often for family members who won't listen to me anymore. I'll say, God, send somebody to the place they work. If it's my kids, send somebody to my school. Send a Christian a kid next to them. 
They may not listen to me, let them listen to them. God, if it's on the radio, God, I pray you'll bless the words that come over the radio, that they'll hear just the right word at the right time. I pray on the TV, they'll hear the right word at the right time. I pray it'll be in a song, the right word at the right time. God, I don't know, but all I know to do is call on you and say, God, won't you save them? I have heard people say before, well, man has a will, and your praying won't change their will. Listen, I know everybody has a will, but I also don't know anything else to do but call on my Heavenly Father and say, God, I've got this need. God, I don't know what it'll take to change them, but God, I don't want them to die without you. The Bible says bring all your needs and all your petitions and all your requests to him. Call on him. Call on him. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, right now I just pray in this room. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you will do what I cannot do. God, I cannot convince men they are sinners. I cannot convince people of their need for you. God, I cannot do those things. God, it is only you, God, that draws people to be saved. It is only you that draws people to know you as Savior and Lord. So, Lord, all I can do is put out the message, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now. Holy Spirit, would you draw us to you? Lord Jesus, draw us today. God, you know the state of our lives, every one of us in this room. You know us. There's nothing about my life, God, that is hidden from your sight. God, God, we don't want to die without you. God, we don't want to be lulled. In these end time days, we don't be lulled. Lulled away from you. Lulled away from your presence. God, keep the thought of eternity before us, I pray. And Lord, today we call out. We call out today on our loved ones our families, our friends. I thank you, Lord, that we're saved, but Lord, we want them to be saved too. God, this is not a message of fear. This is a message of reality. So, Lord, we call upon you today. God, we can't get through to them, it seems like. God, they've turned a deaf ear to us. God, we ask you. God, we ask you whatever it takes. We don't want them to die without you. Lord, I pray you'll talk to our family members when nobody else is around and they lay their head on the pillow at night to go to sleep. Holy Spirit, would you be there in the room? Would you cause them to be in the room at the right time when the right message comes across the TV or the radio? God, would you just set up the situation? God, we come in agreement with you. We don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance in Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we just call on you today. We call on you today. We call on you today in this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
Here's what I want to do in closing. My friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God has made it so that, frankly, it's, it's easy to find forgiveness of sin. It's just saying, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, would you come and forgive me and cleanse me of all my sin? Lord Jesus, I receive you today as my Savior. And I choose today to follow you. Friend, it's that easy. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's all you got to do. Just call on and tell him. For those of you who have unsafe family and friends, together with those who have not yet received Christ, what I want to do, I'd just like to open up our altars this morning. And I want to invite you. What is that? Maybe that's something you're not familiar with. Here's, what I, here's all I'm inviting you to do. If you'd like to come with many others and come around the front of this church, there's it's a big open area, and just pray. Pray to receive Christ. Pray for your family, friends, and loved ones in light of eternity. That's what I'm inviting you to do today. Maybe you're at a place where you say, you know what, physically, I just can't. I can't get down. That's fine, friend. You can sit in your seat where you're at. That's fine. I just want to encourage us today to pray. So if uh, either one of those situations, I'd like to invite you to come and pray. And let's call out on the name of the Lord. Okay? I'd like to invite you now. Would you come? We will not have any kind of a dismissal when you are uh, done praying. Feel free to dismiss yourself. Let's pray today. Do you have unsaved family members? Would you come and pray for them? Would you come and call their name out before God? Would you call out their name before the God of heaven? Oh, God of mercy and God of grace. God, we come before you today. God, and we come before you today asking, Lord, for your cleansing and your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, as you look upon our lives, you know us better than we even know ourselves. Lord, I pray for those today who don't know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that in these moments, Lord, that we just call upon you, Lord, right now. We need you. We ask you, Lord, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you cleanse us? Would you make us ready for heaven? Lord, today we want to accept the free gift of salvation knowing that we can be forgiven, knowing that we can be made ready for heaven through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we confess before you today that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
We need your forgiveness. Would you come and forgiveness? Forgive us, I pray, Lord. And the God who's full of grace and mercy and love, Lord, would you, God, would you go to our family? Would you go to husbands and wives today? Holy Spirit, would you go to brothers and sisters today? Holy Spirit, would you go to sons and daughters? God, we call out upon you today because, God, often we've said, we've said the truth and we've proclaimed the truth. For many of those situations, God, their ears are closed to our voices. Holy Spirit, you're at work when we can't be at work. Holy Spirit, you can do what we cannot do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I call upon you today. God, we call upon you for our family and friends. God, we don't want them to die without you. God, it's sometimes, God, we're just not sure what to do to get through. God, we ask you today to make a way somehow. Make a way somehow. God, we don't want them to die without you. God, somehow, since somebody crossed their path, I thank you for the ones you've sent before. Would you send more? God, would you send the gospel more? Raise up other people. Put more believers in their workplace. Put more believers in their school. Put more believers around them. God, that they would not be lost. God, send someone else. Don't stop sending people their way. God, when they lay their head to the pillow at night to rest, God, would you be there in that moment? God, when they've closed their ears to our words, Holy Spirit, would you speak to them? Holy Spirit, speak to them in dreams. Holy Spirit, would you continue to draw them? God, be merciful, I pray. Be merciful. Keep, keep calling. Keep calling. Keep calling, Holy Spirit. Keep giving them opportunities to be saved. God, this life is so short. But eternity never ends. God, I pray today for those in this room that their hearts break over unsaved loved ones. Spouses who have prayed 
many for years. God, I pray today you will encourage them to not give up, not quit, but to keep praying, keep believing, keep interceding, keep calling out to you. Let them never give up in doing good, in doing right. Father, in the name of Jesus, overcome the spirit of feeling defeated. I pray once again, God, you will fill them with hope. God, we bring them before you today. God, you know the names that are represented by the people that are here today. God, we call upon you. We call upon you, God. We call upon you in the name of Jesus. We call upon you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what we cannot do. Lord, would you draw them to be saved? Would you draw them to be saved? God, I pray for the years of refusal. I pray for the years, God, where they've said not now. God, I pray in the name of Jesus they would say today is the day. I pray, God, for whatever the hurdles are that's keeping them, Lord, from responding to you. Lord, would you break through the hurdles? Would you break through the, the uh, barriers? Would you break through, God, the things that have kept them? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we call to you today. Oh, God, we call upon you, the God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of loving kindness that never ceases. God, would you, would you, oh God of mercy and grace, break through the barriers? God, would you break through the hurdles? Would you break through, God, the things that have held men back from you? In the name of Jesus, I ask you, oh God, to draw them to salvation. Draw them, God, to be saved. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes, God, to see, our spiritual eyes to see. God, would you give us your heart? God of heaven, would you give us your heart for the lost? Would you give us your heart, God, for the lost to live among us? Would you give us your heart for the lost around the world today? God, let us have your heart. God, would you cause our spirits to be moved? Oh, God, we would not just be stirred, but, God, we'd be changed on the inside. Give us your heart, oh, God. Lord, let us not idly go through our days while the lost are all around us. God, would you give us your heart, I pray. God, would you give us your heart, I pray. Would you give us your heart, I pray. Oh, God. God, 
God, we need you. God of heaven, we need you. God of heaven, we need you. Oh, God. God, give us your heart. Give us your heart. Give us your heart, I pray, oh God. Give us your heart, oh God. God, would you give us your heart for the lost? Would you give us your heart, oh God, for the lost, I pray? God, change our hearts. God, if our hearts have become cold and indifferent to the lost, would you give us a new heart? Would you, God, stir our hearts up for the lost, I pray? God, would you change our hearts? Change our hearts, I pray, oh God. Change our hearts, I pray, oh God. Change our hearts, I pray, oh God. Change our hearts, I pray. God, I pray that you will speak to us. God, that you will speak to us in ways that no person can speak to us. God, that you would speak to us in ways that no one can do. God, you would you burden our hearts, God, in ways that no one else can do. Oh, God of heaven, we call to you. God of heaven, we call to you. We call to you, we call to you, we call to you. God, give us your heart. God, give us your heart. Give us your heart, I pray, oh God. Give us your heart. Give us your heart, Heavenly Father, I pray. Give us your heart, I pray. God, give us your heart, I pray. Holy God of heaven, holy God of heaven, holy God of heaven. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. call on you. God, we call upon you today. <laughs>